This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever and however you are listening, and welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Uh, Russ is off this week, and so you are stuck with Ryan, Jonathan, and myself today. But hey, I'm glad we're together, guys. How are you this morning? Doing well. Doing great. Yeah. Recovering. <laughs> yes. From the- Been a busy couple of days. Yeah. Is your family Christmas Day really super busy, uh, or is it low-key and relaxing? I know Jonathan's answer. Yeah. <laughs> mine, mine, mine's well prepared. You know, we have 15 grandkids. They were all over at yeah. the house. They're 15 under nine. So, uh, you know, well, there's a lot of noise. Uh, you add the adults to the room, try to have a conversation, small home. The chaos ensues, it's, it, but it's a blessed chaos. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah same thing. I mean, we, we don't have the 15 grandkids, but we've got six kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's, uh, but it was fun over my wife's parents and excellent yeah we we had nice nice quiet day to ourselves i just the five of us we cooked dinner and went to went to the movies which is a christmas tradition for us so we we had a good time uh well as in our uh post-christian post uh christology christmas series we thought we'd take a few days and and maybe look at some of the uh, initial passages in the gospels where we have uh jesus and his family interacting with those who who discover or are introduced to the messiah for the uh, first time. So uh, today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 35, and uh, Simeon's interaction with the Christ. Uh, Jonathan, you want to read that for us? Yes, Luke two twenty-two, beginning there. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Thanks, Jonathan. 
So we have Mary and, and, and Joseph following the customary practices of the law, that is to bring an offering for uh, purification and worship before the, the Lord after the, the birth of Jesus. Um, is there anything interesting about the offering? Um, we're told that it's a, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons that Mary and Joseph bring. Any? Yeah, it's um, this command instruction is found in Leviticus chapter 12. We read uh, beginning in verse 6, And when the days of her purifying are completed, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb a year old for a burnt offering, and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. And he shall offer before the Lord to make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons one for the burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. So this little phrase that Luke puts in here, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons is again, emphasizing the lowliness and the humble estate of which our Lord entered the world. He didn't enter the world in a palace and in a wealthy family, but to a poor household. And they could only afford to give what Mm -hmm. was the minimum and what what God in His grace prescribed as well and allowed. It's interesting how how often the world will will attribute wealth or prosperity to right living mm-hmm. or or even favor from God. Um, but we see uh, even Christ's identification with the lowly, the the humble, the the impoverished. Right right from the beginning, that this kind of tear, tears away that myth that um, wealth or or financial provision is not a sign of righteousness right. by any means. Um, I heard it put one way that there are, uh, righteous, wealthy people and unrighteous, wealthy people, and there are righteous, poor people and unrighteous, poor people that the amount of wealth that you have does not determine the level of righteousness that you, exactly. that you, that you practice. Um, uh, what else from this passage can we pull out, uh, in our post Christology Christmas? Well, one of the things that we understand about uh, the life of Jesus Christ, that he kept the, the whole law of God. And, yeah. and, and in this sense, uh, you see that right from the beginning, even with his parents, the, the practice of, of God's law, that, that he would be circumcised on the eighth day, uh, is in place. And, and this is the time in which he's, you know, he's identified as, as Jesus here. Um, there's a, there's a reminder of, you know, this is, you know, with circumcision, not only was it, uh, recognizing that this child is part of that covenant community, but it's also Christ's own identification with us as sinners. Uh, the idea that uh, in circumcision it was to represent, um, you know, sin being cut off, a circumcised heart, a clean heart, and that. So there's a, an identification of what was necessary for regeneration, for new birth to actually take place. Um, our greatest need is uh, because sin has put its roots down, you know, in our innermost being, is to is to have regeneration, have a new birth, and this was Jesus' identification with with uh, the the people that he came to save. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Simeon makes uh, a couple assertions about Christ. I thought we could work our way through. He says uh, in verse thirty two that this child will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. What are what are some significant points about those titles or those attributes? Well, the one of the prophecies that uh, Jesus fulfilled in his birth is that, um, behold, a, a light shines in the darkness, and uh, the Gentiles, I'm paraphrasing here, see a great light. Um, that idea that um, God's plan of salvation was never for 
one strip of land alone. Uh, but throughout redemptive history, he was working in that strip of land and show, unfolding his plan. But his salvation and plan of salvation has always been for the whole world. And it is through Christ that that light goes forward. His salvation is revealed. And in the same sense, it's a glory for Israel. I mean, it's Paul even, you know, recollects this of there's the prophecies came through the the people of God of the Old Testament. There's it, it is that is the means through which God has brought his savior into the world. And uh, but taking these together, showing that God's people is not. Uh, it's not a group divided among, okay, here are the Jews and here are the Gentiles, but it's all from from both one people of God. Yeah, that's and that's very interesting too. And the means are God uses means, and mm-hmm. and and you know He's used the means. He's used the nation Israel because He is a missionary God, and through the through this one man Abraham and his seed. All, all the world is to be blessed. You know, the nations are going to come to that light. Um, but it is there is something in that that uh, Israel can glory in that they were used of God in this way. I mean, we say as pastors, we've been used of God. Not that I, you know, if somebody comes to salvation, I didn't save them, but I was used in that process. God, God was able to use the weakness of men to see the salvation of others. Yeah. Uh, another sal- uh, Following that assertion, uh, Simeon says that uh, the child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. What, what can we make of that title or that attribute for this child or the Christ? Well, there's only one name by which we can be saved, and that's Jesus Christ. And so uh, the response to who he is will either uh, lift someone up ultimately to heaven and God himself or uh, to destruction and eternal punishment. So that's the fall and the rising. Yeah. There's, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, and then he says that, that, uh, that Christ will be a sign that is opposed from from the very beginning, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know that from the very beginning, we could say even Genesis three fifteen, where where the where uh, the serpent is cursed because of what he's done, and he's going to he's going to bruise the heel of the savior, but the savior is going to crush his head. Um, he's going to be opposed, and we see that throughout history. Um, Satan attempting to destroy the godly seed uh, and. And and the church itself, um, whether it, whether it was in the first two children born in in the garden, uh, Cain and Abel, uh, you see that you see that strife that was occurring, um, and you see it all the way through Scripture. You know the persecution of 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 Israel, the nation through whom uh, the Savior is going to be born, um, all the way up to Judas and others, but they are all representative of this strife that is taking place throughout Scripture. And that phrase that he utters, you know, he's speaking kind of to Mary here. I mean, both Mary and Joseph are there. But he says kind of with that, his being spoken against that, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. I mean, just the idea that that that, that can be taken a couple different ways. One, Mary herself, I mean, needed to be convicted of her own sin and have faith in this child that she had given birth to. Um, But then also just the fact of his being opposed leading to the crucifixion. 
Um, she, we, we don't know how, how much she understood as far as how the Christ would accomplish our salvation. We know from, uh, his interaction with the disciples, it was the common belief that he would just come in and take out the Romans and set up his earthly kingdom. And, and, uh, but that wasn't how it was to be done. And, um, no doubt the seeing your son go through and being opposed with every, bit of re- with every bit of revelation that Mary is getting, we're told she pondered these things in her right. heart. Yep. She's trying to process <laughs> to understand the, what's going process on. the revelation that God has given to her uh, and to what it means, and mm-hmm. she's she's understanding that. Uh, you know, you think about Mar- Jesus' mother Mary. She's standing at the cross too when he when he's crucified. Um, and truly, you know, she's experiencing grief uh, as well. She's she's identified, and she has union not only as a mother, but she has union with the with the Savior. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I think we even see this this playing out today. Like this that Christ is a sign that is that is opposed. It, much of the culture is perfectly fine with spirituality. Right, you can put a, a Buddha up in a, in a shop, and no one's going to argue or lambast you. But there's there's something about mentioning the name of Christ. There's something about the the name of, of Jesus that just creates opposition in the world. That I think even continues culturally. There, there's something about the way Christians are, are ridiculed and and persecuted and lambasted culturally that I think even proves uh, Simeon's prophecy even today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, it, it Christianity isn't. can be made fun of, right? But you make fun of these other religions and you're just called a bigot and yeah well that's where we'll have to stop for today we're glad you're listening with us today and we'll uh, catch up with you tomorrow